This week's episode is brought to you by the TalkBuster podcast. Every episode, Chris Chipman and a guest reminisce of their time working for Blockbuster. Now, even if you've never worked for a Blockbuster, I guarantee you'll find the stories both hilarious and relatable. One of my personal favorite stories was when he had a guest retelling his time of working at a porn shop the day before Christmas when they were just packed to the gills. So listen to the TalkBuster podcast on all your favorite platforms today. Welcome to Geeks with Shields, your home for all things good and nerdy in this, the darkest timeline. I'm Lord Commander Orc, and with me as always is... His shield brother, Axel Wright. How's it going today, man? It's just fine. There's nothing particularly interesting today. I was doing mostly chores after work and whatnot. How's your day? Uh, technical issues aside, pretty good. Uh, we had our nice couple days yesterday, and we're back to near constant rain. So there's All right, well, why don't you take us right into our patron sound off? Yeah, we start this episode the same way we start all our episodes, by thanking our patrons, those wonderful, wonderful people that make this whole crazy endeavor possible. They are Pam Galley, Marquis, Chris Chipman, River Galley, Krug, Reed D, Stephen, and Arthur Crane. Now, if you'd like to join that illustrious legion, just head on over to patreon.com forward slash geeks with shields. For only 25 cents an episode, you get early access to all our content, tons of bonus content, and you make sure we can keep doing this week to week. Tonight, we have a very special guest. You may recognize his iconic voice from such franchises as XCOM, Transformers, Honest Trailers, Elder Scrolls Online, World of Warcraft, Detective Pikachu, God of War, Dishonored 2, and so, so much more, Mr. John Bailey. This is kind of cool. This is our first uh, movie star on the podcast. Movie star? Jeez. That's a bit of a stretch, but thank you. Just take it and run with it. (laughs) Where's my foamy latte? (laughs) Uh, We'll have an intern get that for you. So today, our topic, this is a thing we do a lot, especially when we have new guests on. It's called Pillars of Geekdom. Basically, here at Geeks with Shields, we have this concept that your geekdom or your fandom is a house or a structure of some sort. This originally comes from a whole conversation about what foundational geekdom it is. So the pillars are the things that hold it up. (laughs) It's pretty self-explanatory at that point. It's the big ones. So I believe we're here to talk about your pillar, or a pillar of geekdom for you, which is Transformers, right? Pillars that made us. Yeah, more love. That's the idea. (laughs) Yeah, Transformers. I've been with it a long time. That rolls us very nicely into the first easy question, which is, why don't you tell us how you came to it? I'm assuming with uh, this kind of franchise, it's probably a youth story, but go for it. Uh, I was five years old, and I was introduced to it in order toy comic cartoon my back then if you have to understand in in 1984 i believe it was uh, i was only five years old and they only had two aisles for toys it was just like boy side girl side you know bikes and that was pretty much it and (laughs) in the boy section that hasbro had just put up this transformers right next to gi joe and my mom walked me down the aisle and stood me directly between these two she's like you can have one but you can only choose one, and you, whatever, whichever one you pick, you have to stick with it. And I kind of made a comparison of pros versus cons, pros versus Decepticons, or Joes versus cons, if you will, uh, ah. of which one I liked better. And I realized that with the G.I. Joes, you had a lot of very small parts. They were posable, and they were collectible, but that was about it. With Transformers, you got a puzzle, toy vehicle of some kind, and a robot. And the packaging was was just perfect. Not as many loose parts, small parts to lose, 
and it just it, the overall aesthetic and then the story on the back of the package was very very captivating i just love the whole thing so i stuck with transformers i got bumblebee was my very first one i already been with it for 36 years this year i guess it is and uh, not to be dismissive of G.I. Joe, but basically your options were military guy or transforming alien robot car. <laughs> right. I mean, which one? I gotta say, that's, that's very pragmatic thinking for a five-year-old, and I love it. Because that, that is fine logic. It's like, all right, this one's two toys in one. There's less small three, pieces to get lost. Three toys in one. Oh, that's right. It's a puzzle, puzzle, too. And it's a robot, and it's a vehicle. It's It's always been three in one. See, I, I took it without. I never used the instructions, so for me, it was it was always a challenge to transform without breaking it. Same. Directly without, <laughs> without actually looking up the instructions. So that was my I, younger brother's way of doing it, and it always drove me crazy because he'd get it half transformed and then bring it to me to figure out the rest of the way. Yeah, except I never. Well, in my case, because I was that way, I I didn't. Um, get into Transformers necessarily. I was always more of a Beast Wars person, but I still those are my favorite toys, partially because well, the I same was in reason. Beast Wars too. But my point is that I, I, I think it's my – the brain that eventually became the engineer in me, I liked figuring it out on my own. So. Yeah, Beast Wars took me back, dude. It, it kind of gave me that whole feeling of finding Transformers for the first time all over again because it was they, – they had a totally unique look about them. I, I, Scorponok was the first one I got, and I just freaking loved the design. That is so cool. Awesome. Uh, and the gimmick, I, I, I finally – found a way to integrate the weapons into the figure i i thought that was really really clever yes it was the whole thing but anyway you said you made a comment that your order was toy comic show and most people i talk to who are big into transformers that tends to be toy show comic or or uh show toy comic usually comic is third so How'd you go from? How'd you get a comic before show? I'm curious. Well, we uh, we had a very limited window to watch television. I there was a local gas station not too far from our house, and I used to bike there. When I uh, when I got down to the gas station, I, I usually I was after big chew bubble gum because I wasn't allowed to have it. Because so my mom said no, it's, it's <laughs> fake tobacco, and I didn't even get. I just I didn't know what tobacco was. I was like, I don't really get it. It's just really good gum, and it's a whole lot of it, you know. So mm-hmm. I, I went down there to chew an entire package of, of Big Chew at once because I didn't want to get caught. I don't recommend it. And while I was there, I noticed uh, the issue with Grimlock on the cover in, the, in their little tiny comic book stand. And I was like, holy crap, they made a comic book out of the toy that I collect. So I, I got it immediately, and I went to several. I, book, I must have biked and looked at five or six stores to find the previous issues that I'd already missed. And it was not easy. I ended up having to sweet talk my brother into taking me to a comic book store in Memphis to find them. And then, uh, like I said, limited window after school to watch television. And I happened to be at the, uh, at the piano teacher's house and she had a television that you, when you were waiting, you'd watch TV while you wait. And so I would like, usually I would get to go first and I didn't get to watch, you know, Transformers. I knew about some other things, but I just happened that particular day. I happened to, to, see it because I, it wasn't my turn to go yet or whatever i got either i got there early or they changed the schedule so i canceled who knows but there it was and it was like holy crap they made a freaking cartoon out of this so i didn't see them in order either so i had to go back i had to backtrack a lot of things like that happened for me i kind of uh, i watched star wars out of order it's just the way my my life worked because we very conservative upbringing so we didn't get to watch things in theaters we had to wait for things to show up on television which is even after things went to vhs which we did not have until it was already in yard sales. We were always behind on technology and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, that was – by the time there was a whole you know cluster of stuff, uh, I was hooked by then. 
Oh, I wanted to say that I totally understand the whole concept of uh, you know having to wait until. As someone who grew up quite poor, I also had the whole you know wait until things were well. You can get like uh, what I remember are like the milk crates of VHSs you'd get at garage sales. So yeah, there, there was always that one kid that like his parents had money or whatever, and he had like everything, and he had it like brand new as soon as it came out you know my, my kids are those kids now so i i feel sorry for the kids that they go to school with because those other kids are were me <laughs> we we quote unquote found ours like kids would play with them and leave them at the park or they'd leave them at school or they leave them at lost and found we were very crafty about how we collected our toys we got them we got most of ours for absolutely no money but we did not get packages with a lot of them either or accessories just the main parts of the transformer it was more did like a, it was more like a, con- a convention scavenger hunt for pieces i remember when i when i was young and i had the it was collecting the beast wars toys i had a uh, trans metals cheetah or cheetor that was like my personal favorite had the rocket launcher on its back so did you have like a a personal favorite that stuck out to you uh yeah i remember the christmas that i got optimus prime that was a pretty big surprise oh man my my mom always kind of made it out like she just didn't like transformers and my grandmother had this whole thing like she was always quote unquote against it because they they looked wicked and evil or whatever she was just her way of messing with me i think and she always got me, like, for, for our current generation, she got me the Titan class stuff. You know what I mean? Like, she got me leader class and Titan class stuff. And my parents could only afford to Lux and Void, so... But usually the Legend stuff is what the kind of stuff that we'd find just laying around town or at schools and Boston Found Place. Uh, yeah, the, getting Optimus Prime for the first time, because that was a main character in the show. It was one of the main toys of the line. It was one of the more expensive lines, or main, expensive toys of the line. And I, frankly, I never thought I'd get one because we just, we, we, my parents didn't have a lot of money and, uh, it was just a, a single income family and my dad worked two jobs just trying to keep, get, but never got to see him. So we got toys like twice a year and every blue moon we might get one at Easter too in our baskets, but usually Christmas and birthday. So we could count on maybe four a year if we got two, you know, one small one, and one big one. Because usually if we got enough cash in our birthday cards from various aunts and relatives and whatnot to maybe buy our own. And any other ones we just had to raise the money for and get it ourselves. But my brother had a secret. My brother was secretly collecting. He was 13, I guess, at the time. Yeah, he was about 13 when it, when it came out. And by the time he was 14 and 15 into the season two and three from the original generation show, my parents had basically forbade him from collecting Transformers. They told him he wasn't a kid anymore and shouldn't wow. be collecting toys. Hmm. So he would secretly go behind their backs and he would buy them and then get dis- dispose of the evidence and then he would go, my, my dad was a yard <laughs> sale. My, my dad was like the guy in American Pickers, okay? So they would go to these random, go to car lots, you know, junkyards, whatever, and my brother would plant these things in the vehicles, trunks, underneath the seats and be like, oh dude, I found a Transformer. And he'd make sure he got to He'd play with it a ton beforehand, and then he would give it to me. But he had two or three hidden in his closet. He had Soundwave. That was always one of his favorite characters. And he had a Grimlock. And I think he kept the Benny had a Jetfire. Like, uh, like he kept the box. He still has that one um, in mint inbox. It's uh, not sealed, but he, he always kept that one in good shape. Uh, but I guess the memory that stands out for me the most out of everything was, uh, was Shockwave. 
because we went to a, a Sears and Roebuck. I don't know if you guys even know what that is, but yeah. Sears and Roebuck was back before it was just Sears, and it was a wholesale place. And man, this, this place was like one of those places where they buy broken containers, and it's just some random, everything's just randomly on the shelves. It's very, it's, it's not quite flea market style. It's, it's just more Salvation Army, everything's in a bin, kind, you know, that kind of thing. So not, there was no organization whatsoever. People would just buy, they would pick through stuff, buy what they wanted, and then more and more stuff would come in. And my brother found, well, I found a, a shockwave. Well, at least that's what I thought it was. And I found it, and because it didn't have a price sticker on it, they gave it to us. I believe it's either $1 or $3. And shockwave was not a cheap toy, and it was my favorite character. But his color was off. He looked weird. It was very, very close, though. I mean, it was the exact same toy. And my brother convinced me that it just looked different it just looked different out of the package and he had me convinced for all this all these years like for, <laughs> i'm talking decades that my radio shack shack wave was a real shock wave and i bought it hook line and sinker and i tried to keep that thing in pristine order his gun broke off and i felt awful about it i was feeling bad over a piece of crap toy that was worth nothing <laughs> hey, it was worth something to you it was but yeah, man, because i was blinded by a lie <laughs> Hey, man, that works. No, it's funny listening to your story because it's very similar to how I came to Transformers in that my older brothers, they had Transformers, but they were, you know, missing pieces, missing toys. I never got the cartoons, and I was kind of born in the in-between time between, like, when Transformers ended and when Beast Wars took off. So I had all these cool leftover Transformers. Didn't know what they were. I knew somehow through osmosis that Optimus Prime was the good guy, and like I knew the symbols for the difference, but that was it. So when Beast Wars came around, that was really kind of cool. And I was like, oh man, they're bringing back Transformers. Like, is that what these things are? Right. So it's crazy I listening to your story about finding yeah, them in your there's something stands. about There's something about when they go away for a while, and you're just kind of like, well, that's the end, you know, and they, you might see them trickle off into the, into the dollar bins, or you see them like, disappear onto the Marshalls shelves. And like uh, you're, you're like, well, you know, the end of an era, and you, you might find them on sale or whatever. It's, it's kind of sad because they're, they're it's, it's like they're not trying anymore. It's, it's down to the very end, and they're out of ideas, blah blah blah. <laughs> and then, and then they disappear, and then they're gone for maybe a year or two. And that was kind of how it was several different. And uh, every time they come back, it's like that. I, I, I'm familiar. It's not the same, but I'm familiar with this. I know what this is. <laughs> it's like kind of rediscovering it or discovering it for the very first time when you didn't really know like a ton about it beforehand. Well, you've gotten to be kind of kind of part of that now. I, I was actually I read on one of the I think it was the IMDb that said like uh, uh, that you were actually inspired when you were five by Optimus Prime's voice specifically. Is that is there truth yeah, to that that I read? That's, that's the truth. Uh, so, well, I mean, that's it's it, Transformers wasn't the original thing. But it, it it led to that, so there's a little bit more to that than, but that's that's the basic the basic premise of it. Um, so uh, what it, what happened was uh, I had heard Peter Cullen's voice first in Voltron, and it was back before it was back before TV really just kind of captivated kids as as much as they do now. And I wasn't really super. I think it was it was Saturday. I believe it was a Saturday morning, and I was building Mousetrap the game. And for me, mm-hmm. there's more something more interesting about doing something right there in front of your face. Like, like I'd rather go to a game 
than watch a game on television. You know what I mean? There's a, for me, there's a big difference. Like there's a, it's, it's a feeling immersiveness. Being it's tactile. In there and, and yeah, there's a, there's a feeling of being in there and being involved and you're really there and you're seeing it live and the smells and the sounds. It's like, you're getting the full experience. You know, it's like, it's like watching a movie on your phone versus watching it in IMAX. So, uh, what I, well, I forget where we were. What were we talking about? <laughs> I'm talking about how, how Optimus got you into voice acting. Oh yeah. So, I was building the mousetrap. I was very zoned into that. So the TV was just going on in the background and the Voltron show starts and then that voice kicks in that instantly that for some reason that one specific voice just caught my attention. I just totally forgot all about mousetrap and I'm watching this television screen listening to this guy talking about before time and space there was Voltron defender of the universe. I'm like, holy crap. I don't know what that is, but I want to be that one day. I didn't even know what that even meant, but that's like how my brain was just kind of processing this epic voice that I just heard. And then I heard him again in Transformers, and that's like his voice is what got me hooked on Transformers, hook, line, and sinker, really. It, it sealed the deal for me because I already loved the toys, but when you added that voice to that brand, it just sealed the deal for me. I was like instantly, like, this is the coolest thing ever. I know that voice already. I heard that in Voltron. That voice made me want to be a voice actor eventually down the road. And I ended up like living every 80s kid dream of being a Transformer. And not only any Transformer, I, I get to be Peter Cullen's understudy. Like, I feel yeah. like for him. Like, uh, it, it's like his voice double for somebody who sounds really good or almost exactly the same and just kind of come in and does the, does the prelay stuff before the film or before the show. And I've actually got to voice Optimus Prime for an actual, for actual series, albeit how small it was. <laughs> Hey, yeah, no. That still has to be a really cool uh, moment. That's Combiner Wars, right? And I also f- fulfilled, like, the ultimate fantasy of actually getting to work with my favorite voice actors. My my name's, like, sandwiched right there between Gray, Gray Delisle Griffin, Peter Cullen, and David Sobolov. And it's like, holy crap, I know all those people. I look up to those guys. That That's, you know, freaking Death Charge from Beast Wars. That's Shockwave from Transformers Prime. That's RC from, like, all the Transformers movies. And, you know, and and my my lifelong dream when I was a kid that I never even thought in a million years I'd ever achieve. But was to it was very specific. It was I wanted to be the voice of a Transformer alongside in something with Peter Cullen as Optimus Prime. It was my never my goal was never like to replace him or become him one day. I I don't have a uh, I don't have a Bob Bergen story where I was like, I'm, I'm going to be the next voice of Porky Pig. I didn't, I didn't ever set out to be the, the, the voice of Optimus Prime one. It was just wanting to work with the brand that I had grown up with and loved so much throughout my life and got me through uh, not having friends and got me through brothers not wanting to be around and parents leaving you home. Back then, parents left you home alone, you know, so mm-hmm. it, it filled that void that I really needed and it gave me my dad was, I mean, I always looked up to my dad because my dad was always working, but it gave me another hero to look up to that I, I could actually see and hear. And it was a freaking, it, it was something about it. It's something special. I mean, there's always that, if, you, if anybody gets a chance to watch Toys That Made Us, there's something special about that thing, that one thing. Because there's been thousands of different franchise. well, that would, would have been franchises, but there's been thousands of those things that had a toy line and they had a show or they had a combination of both or they really tried to push this thing. And maybe it caught on for a very brief moment, or maybe it just never took off at all, and it just fizzled away, and nobody even remembers. There's so many obscure things out there. And yeah, there's the tons 80s of and 90s in a nutshell. Yeah. Well, for the ones that, that didn't never, get... That, that never got toys, or never just the traction never really took off. Silverhawks. Like, remember how cool that was, but that toy line just didn't last <laughs> at all? Yeah, well, half, half, of them got absorbed, half of them got absorbed into He-Man, so yeah. at some point... 
still, yeah. I mean, it's just one of those things. It's, and getting to work alongside, very specifically, like every ticked off every box, got to work as the voice of not only any Transformer, but my two favorite Transformers out of all the characters that there are. Out of my, and I mean, they're they're the top three in order would be Shockwave, Soundwave, Optimus Prime, and I've checked all three of those boxes. The only ones that I have not got to voice in that on that list yet of the like the top ten. There's still a few to come. I mean, I'd love to be voice of Starscream at some point, or Wheeljack, Grimlock, and Jazz are two of my favorites. Scorponok has never really had a voice in much, except for, yeah. you know, dubs, um, <laughs> and, and season three, which didn't last very long. So, I mean, that would be freaking, he, I always loved that character. He had a great color scheme. His whole design was freaking cool. I thought the Headmaster thing was just freaking phenomenal. A lot of people didn't really care for that one. Trigger Masters, no, not so much. But the, the Power Masters and the Headmasters, I was like, that's a cool way to integrate. Because that was kind of what it was all based on. Back, back in the day, it was all, they don't want sentient trans, they don't want sentient robots in Japan. They have to have a human counterpart somehow. They have to be controlled in the suit or, you know, and that was kind of a way to blend where Transformers came from to where it is now in the States. And I was like, that's mm-hmm. a cool way to kind of reference the old and, and acknowledge the new. And it just, yeah, that, that was that line was great all the way up to G2 and G2 was actually kind of cool because they just reused their old stuff and changed the <laughs> colors and reprinted some new packages and I'm hooked all over again. <laughs> gave no. me something, gave me something to live on, you know, back when I was making my own money and I could actually buy them. Cause I'm like, finally, I, I don't have to wait for my parents to give one, give me one for my birthday. So I got a blue, I get a blue Grimlock and I got a green slag. And well, now he's slug because that's apparently not something you should say if you're British. <laughs> well, <laughs> we didn't know in the 80s. Come on, people. Well, at least not in front of children. So <laughs> exactly, he was barely in any episodes. <laughs> you know, I've always had this this concept. I think I, I I know what it was for me. There's a moment right where I think uh, every kid who likes cartoons, which is most of them, has that kind of realization of that there's someone behind the voice like a person i remember listening to the uh, the voice actor for um michelangelo and the original teenage mutant turtles right. talking uh, talking about uh, interacting with kid fans who would never believe that he was michelangelo because they just couldn't make that yeah. you know, connection and i think in, in my case i was just about the right age when uh, batman the animated series was going like at the very beginning and someone had told me you know the joker is mark hamill and i was already a star wars fan and then, like everything i was i was i was <laughs> Everything clicked suddenly. So I'm just thinking, like, you know, you were pretty young, and and these people, as you said, are, like, you know, like, heroes and inspirations for you. So, like, but that voice got you right off the bat. Like, when did it really kind of – was it, like, an instant thing that you clicked that that's a person, or did was that, like, a later thing to come come along? Uh, no, when I was a kid, not really. I mean, the voices just captivated me. My, my brain never really thought about the people behind them. But when I was a teenager, my brother and I started getting – was um, on this newfangled thing I'd been to call the Internet, and we uh, we tried to figure out who they were because back then they didn't put Peter Cullen as Optimus Prime. They just put a whole list of names, and we didn't know who did what. So we it took a long time to compile information where we could figure out who actually voiced this stuff. In fact, my brother was one of the first people putting information about voice actors on Google. He worked for a subsidiary called G- uh, ODP to create information for voice actors. So when somebody looked up Peter Cullen, they could see like what he had done. IMDb didn't, you know, didn't always exist, and the forms of it they didn't include voice actors. They only included like TV actors and movie actors. So that was really back. It was right around the time that the first Dark Forces game came around, 
when we finally we figured out who Jack Angel was and all the characters he had done because I had a very good ear and I could hear a voice and once we figured out who that voice was, then we could put a name to a voice and I'm like, okay, that's he does that character, he does that character. So we kind of went through there and kind of figured all that out um, until they came out later on at conventions and like have it pre-printed for you. But yeah, I mean, it, it it took it was a pretty good gap. There's a gap of about. 10 years, I guess, between, like, putting the voices with some with a face and a name. Yeah, that's about the same. I, I, I imagine that's the kind of age. I mean, it's like you reach the point where it makes logical sense in your early teens, but you don't really make that kind of connection until even a bit later, I think. Yeah. So, all right, so you've already – I mean, I feel like you've gone uh, over this already. Like, but – actually, I don't even know if there's a but. There's not really a question here. The next question on the list was why you love this thing that is your pillar, but you've talked about how, like, it was the thing that was there for you as an inspiration. It was, like, kind of all always in your life, right? Like, yeah. is there any other, like, specifics that uh, question brings honestly, to mind? the original Transformers, it really was a work of art. I mean, it was work – it was so many – I mean, if you watch – again, watch the toys that made us. It went through a lot of transformations. I mean, it, it was birthed out of G.I. Joe, which is just so crazy, and it eventually – the, the son outgrew the father and became more famous than it's than D.I. Joe did. Uh, so it's it's come such a long way. And it's just the, the way the, the the way the box art was presented, the all the work that uh, that Bob Budiansky did coming up with. the I mean, he came up with all those catchphrases. He, he came up with the words freedom is the right of all sentient beings. He wrote. All this stuff. <laughs> Sounds so cool. I mean, he anyway, literally sorry. came up with all this, all these things. He came up with the, the 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 phrasing, the technology. A lot of the comics were also written by him. He just he was just a really good writer. He had a very vivid imagination, and it was just it was one of those perfect storm. You know, it's like all the conditions had to be just right to make this 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 storm happen. You know, like like, like these very rare storms. And it was kind of like there's lightning strikes those one few those few times with He-Man, with Transformers, with G.I. I mean, there's those hits that just kind of boom out of all those different things. That one just takes off. And I mean, it says something when a franchise has lasted over three decades. You're talking about three and a half decades now of these toys and cartoons and now movies. It's it's insane. Games. I mean, you name it. You can buy there's 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 a football player that's nicknamed Megatron. I mean, Look at how far we've come. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's just yeah. inherently awesome to hear. Do you have a uh, do you have a particular favorite incarnation? Um, I've always been a big fan of G1 because it's just kind of the grandfather of all of it, and it kind of it's what got me into it. But if I had to pick a favorite out of anything else, uh, I think the very best version we've ever gotten is probably Transformers animated. But just barely over Transformers Prime. Both of those were just really great. The the toy line was very well cool. I mean it was re- it must have been really hard to make those animated designs into working toys especially for Transformers. Yeah. And so I, and it had so many nods to so many different things out there but see Transformers Prime did the exact same thing. Um and I think the I think that the performances are much stronger but it's also a little more it's a little older and a little darker which kind of appeals to a broader audience because now you're pulling in the the even the single adults and the and the parents that are that are still fans you know yeah I I don't remember which show it was but I I have this very strong memory of being of watching some Transformers show that was on, I think it was Toonami, but the, all I know about the episode was that Optimus was in a trap, that they were, like, really messing him up, and that in that show, 
that was the first time like Jetfire showed up to combine with him. And I went out like later that week and begged my grandmother to get me the toy that actually combined like that. So <laughs> now I anyway. can blow my nephew's uh, mind this Christmas because my brother got him all the Dinobots for Christmas and he was playing with them and having a great time. I said, you know, they've been making Transformers since I was a kid. Like, no way. I'm like, yeah. And those exact ones, those were around when your dad was a kid. And he just couldn't, no, couldn't process. Like, no, 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 there's no way this is that old. There's no way these toys are that old. And like, yep, and I started naming Like, how do you know? It's like, because I grew up watching Transformers. You should, <laughs> see, you should see my kids' friends and, and even my own friends when they come over and they see my dork room. It's like, I'm about to start selling off my collection after I get videos and content made with everything that I need to make. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to do it in a very specific way where... I didn't lose money on it, <laughs> so I'm going to do it where um, you can own – I'm, I'm promoting it like you can own a toy that Optimus Prime personally owned and reviewed, you know, through the yeah. – obviously, that's YouTube and Miss Prime, you know, the version I, I created. Yeah, still, mm-hmm. that's yeah, uh, cool. I, but, I, I, I yeah, can see so the logic. I'm, I'm taking it back to form, and I'm redoing it as – I don't know if anybody is familiar with Spider-Man Far From Home or uh, Spider-Man – yeah, Spider-Man Far From Home. And uh, it's that opening, the opening scene from the school video that's so badly edited and the the bad green. (laughs) I'm going to do it bad. I'm going to do it as if Optimus Prime has no idea what he's doing and kind of make it a little more, a little more kiddish, kid friendly ish. So I don't, I don't offend Hasbro by making fun of other toys that aren't Optimus Prime anymore. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to bite the hand that feeds me. Careful lines. The brand is never happy when you say anything derogatory about any toy. So uh, I want to do it in a, in a fun, quick way that I can use across multiple content. And then at the end, you can be like, oh, you can own this toy. And it'll come with an autographed exclusive print that I had commissioned from actual Transformers comic book artists that are friends of mine. I've got three different prints so far. I've got movie Soundwave, movie Shockwave, movie Optimus Prime. And you can have Optimus Prime sign it or you can have me sign it. And it'll also come with uh, a random Transformers collector trading card and uh, battle pack. Like up to three battle packs. I haven't decided on how many battle packs to throw in there, but probably like three. So you can get like this whole deal for like whatever, 25, 35, whatever bucks I end up Man, doing. I don't even collect Transformers and I'm tempted. I know. So, I mean, it's pretty cool because you'll be able to actually say that you own the video, the toy that came from this particular video. And you've got all the stuff that's actually been signed by me personally. And maybe even get you collected in the card game because honestly, the art and the cards it's freaking awesome, and the, the 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 card game itself is really fun and highly collectible. It's it's really cool. But I didn't mean to go ahead and start plugging things before we got that far into the show. It's all right. We don't hold it, it against you. It's very it's very on topic, so it works. Uh, but yeah, so it's just like when they come in the room though. Before I've, I had a chance to sell everything, they're just like flat, like their jaws are like holy crap, like because I also have like a full collection of the adult, the more modern. Uh, DC collectibles, uh, Batman the Animated Series. I've got the Batwing. I've got every the Batmobile. I've got the Batcave with the exclusive Alfred figure. Like the whole shebang. And I've almost collected every figure from all, from every single series. And uh, so I've got and I got a pretty cool pop collection with with pops that don't have a show. You know, like uh, Star versus Forces of Evil, Gargoyles. Yes. Like there's not a lot of toys for those things still being made. I mean, they had the original toys which were be honest but they were pretty bad <laughs> so yeah like, i remember those like dark giant, there was, there's not a lot of iron giant stuff out there so like that's kind of oh, the pops that i usually get it's kind of like the ones that never got a the ones that were underrated and never got a fair shake at, at action figures and toys and collectibles stuff um you know it's funny i have a i have a very strong memory that the transformers toys more than any other brand tended to have like 
really good, really large ones. Like, again, I was really into Beast Wars, and there was a particular version of Megatron that was, uh, you know, like several feet large when he was in his T-Rex form. I, uh, and there was an Optimus Primal that was like two feet tall standing. And it was hard to find any other toys like that. Not that I really wanted to, because I love Beast Wars, but that was always really impressive to me that they had those Well, I'll tell you one thing. That giant shooter that they made that was like the tallest Transformer ever made at the time, I think it was 27 point something inches, it did not stand up for crap. Because <laughs> I had one. <laughs> Transmetal I was TV. just going to say, oh, that man. was like the one thing I remember about Transformers. They held up really well as toys. Most like, of them did. Yeah, my brother, he uh, grew up with the Armada era, and he had a ton, and those are getting gifted to my nephews now. It's like, man, these are like 20-some or 10, 15 years old, and they still hold up really well. And he yeah. pulled out his Unicron, like, oh, my God, I forgot you had that. And they're like, what is that? The greatest Transformers well, toy that was ever made after, up to that point. After, the, uh, after I guess... I guess when they started doing Headmasters, that from that era on, the toys got a lot more sturdy. Although the, the they became a lot more plastic, and the plastic got cheaper. But the the wearing chair that you'd see the most on the original figures, you'd see a lot of paint scrapes because it was painted metal. It was diecast metal for for the most part. A lot of loose accessories because Optimus Prime's hands weren't attached. You had to put them on, and usually we would put them in the in the cab of the truck. But that with with play and with wear, the front of his cab would get loose and open up and all of a sudden you lost a hand in the grass it's gone forever you know so uh, and then there's always that that toy that got left in the grass that got too tall and you mother the grass and you run over hook and then devastators destroyed you know so (laughs) but there they usually that you would get uh you would get loose joints from just from play that would be a few loose joints that you could pretty much fix anything with like well, we didn't know back then but we could fr- fix pretty much anything with nail polish remover you can just kind of thicken up the plastic and make things work again but for the most part i mean other than some discoloration over time which is fixable if you know you can look that up on sabertron.com they have a, a whole how to restore original paint color to your toys if you've got yellowing whites and things like that and you'd get stick like the stickers would start to fade after time but as they got more t- the technology for it progressed they got better at making them, them last longer. They started painting the details on instead of putting stickers on. They started using different kinds of plastic that, that they made parts where they if they pop off, you can put them back together again. And it, it just got wiser over time, but they also got more complex. And the, that's why people have stuck with it so long, because they've kind of they advance along with people's expectations. And they always sit. They, they never cease to amaze me every time they make a new thing like Trypticon. Holy crap. I cannot wait to see these Scorpionogs. If that's what's if that's what's coming, if, if, from what I understand, a combination of what they're doing with Trypticon and with Fortress Maximus will be how they come up with the final design for a Scorpionok for a Titan class Scorpionok. He's the only one I'm still waiting for, and you know they're going to make a Black Zarek too. So a lot of hardcore Transformers fans will be really happy about that too, because that's all you ever hear about from Black Zarek this, Black Zarek that. It's the most expensive thing, blah blah blah. <laughs> gonna have some sort of sort of pride in that right it's <laughs> one of those it's one of those holy grail for me the holy grail was a was a g1 scorpionock with box and i got it box isn't in great shape but he's uh, he's complete and it's freaking cool man i can't wait because i wanted my, my parents don't have anything for me if they pass away my dad just my dad collects rocks yay <laughs> he's got some great I ones too. I, I was into rocks when i was a kid but i grew out it's a minerals very heavy, it's a very heavy very painful uh can be uh, hobby because you hurt your hands. My, my dad took us rock hunting. We dug through the mountains for our vacation. We would leave clean, come back covered in five pounds of red clay, looking for quartz crystals. 
So it was a less painful way to to collect and have a hobby. And uh, I was like, yeah, I really don't want my dad's rock. I want I want something. My my grandparents didn't have anything for me when they passed away, other than financial, you know, actual money from either selling things or. But they didn't have like you know something from the war. You know, I want. It wasn't physical. Yeah, something you can hand over, display, and be like. Hey, you know, I guess I would like one or two things to make, keep making it through a, each generation. But like, this is your great great grandfather's generation one An heirloom, and it's like, yeah, and it, by that time it becomes worth five six figures, you know, because it's been passed down for a hundred years or so. Although and by that point, you don't want you know. your descendant like they're not going to want to sell it, assuming they treat it as the heirloom it is. Well, it's just a cool if thing. Smart, <laughs> if they're smart, and you know what, things happen sometimes. And it may it may save somebody's house or car or college fund or whatever when they have no other way to, to nothing else to turn to. And they've got this priceless heirloom that's been handed down for generations. And they find out, wow, if I sold this thing, it's worth like 15 grand. I mean, because I, I dare you look up some of the prices for some G1 mint and sealed box transformers are already in that range. Like I'm talking about ten, fifteen thousand dollar range. For a certain Optimus Prime on a certain grade that's complete and brand new with a Woolworth sticker stuck, on, you know, for authenticity. And, yeah, I mean, it's, there's a lot of fakes out there, too, because people know this is that they end up being worth money. So I'm, I'm that doesn't surprise guy. me. Yeah. Well, uh, a, a quick cursory search of Google shows a, a Scorponok G1 base for $400. So, yeah, hmm. find, find one mint and sealed box and that price goes way up. <laughs> That was just cursory. So more and more rare to find something sealed in the box that's been sitting in some warehouse somewhere for years, or sitting in somebody's attic or basement, and some American Pickers guy, you know, found it by accident and didn't know what it was worth, or some toy hunter TV series guy just stumbles across something. You just never know. I mean, you still see them at conventions every once in a while, but they you're not going to pay less than thousands for them. Um, but yeah, just I I have a way a a, a you know, different tier for each kid. Like my son, Zachary, he's the autistic one. His, his favorite was always Transformers Prime for whatever reason. So he's got a pretty decent collection of Transformers Prime figures covering all the main characters. And I, I didn't go nuts with buying like every alternate. I didn't make a complete, complete collection, but they have like the main grade, more than my dad had for me. And uh, the Transformers animated collection is pretty complete with a lot of exclusives from BotCon. For my daughter, she was like a huge fan of Transformers uh, animated because um, she was older than Zachary was. And then my son, Tyler, who's like the hugest of all my kids of Transformers fans, he's getting all the Masterpiece stuff, so he gets like the best. But I've also got a really it's so cool, cool you've got like, it set up to coordinate yeah. with the kids. And I've got a whole collection of Powerpuff Girl stuff that I, I snagged all of it before Warner Brothers went out completely out of business. And so I'm giving that to my to my daughters to split along with like all the all the other nerdy stuff, basically the other ones. They can just kind of divide them up. But I, I, there's enough for everybody to have some. And something that yeah. has, has sentimental as well as some some monetary value and could very well go up and be worth something one day. So the last question would be very simply put, this fandom, this geekdom, what does it say about you as a person, do you think? Well, I don't mean to go deep on you and I don't mean to go completely religious on you. But the, one of my well, favorite that's the whole point of this, one of my favorite Bible verses was uh, not to be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. And the fact that something I collected was literally spelled out in the Bible and being a Christian. And it was always a good versus evil story and the good guys always win. And, you know, it was kind of just tied in with my own faith. 
And it's kind of symbolic of what happens when people become Christians. They go from being one person and transformed into somebody new. And they go from, you know, what the Bible puts it, the old man versus the new man. And I thought, how cool that my hobby also reflects my own personal faith. And, you know, so I, I just, I don't know, something about that really kind of clicked for me. And the fact that it was for me, it was like a three in one type thing. It was a puzzle and a, and, a, and a robot and a vehicle and you could play with it like cars instead of you know using matchbox you, you had a car built in if you wanted a robot you could have a robot and you could act out these stories i used to get in the in the floor of my fisher price tape recorder and record out the the coloring books that you could use to buy you used to buy these really cheap where they just kind of took the uh the artwork from the transformers toy boxes and tra- transposed them onto these really cheap terribly written story coloring books that you could buy at like the dollar store. Everything's a dollar store or whatever. Yeah. And I would, and I would record because those stories weren't in the cartoons. I would record my own version and like play on the floor. And I'd use all this stuff that my dad would bring home from work. My dad, again, my dad collected a bunch of junk, but he worked at a computer place. Uh, he was a computer operator for a hospital and Pepsi at one point and Coke for another. And then they would always have like motherboards and, and circuits and CRT monitors that had like, only one color would go off. And I had my own like real working, quote unquote, working trans, uh, Teletrend one. And so I'd, I'd make these, you know, what they, what they consider to be articulated comic book art these days was just, you know, it was our own version of, you know, making our own backgrounds and like having their own sets and stuff. For me, I just, they, they kind of like immersed you into your own world where you're living at a lot of what my autistic son still does that. Like he gets so immersed in the imaginary world because I didn't have any other kids to play with. And it kind of just like, it really did reflect a lot of me. It was I always wanted to be, even though I love the color schemes. I mean, Shockwave's the reason why my favorite color is purple. Uh, Soundwave just had Soundwave was cool because he was the only one of the characters that really kind of acted like a robot. Everybody else had their own personalities, but that made Soundwave kind of stand out. And it kind of is. It goes back to what I was talking about about religion. It's you know you stand out among everybody else. Like you're the one thing that can do something else and something else. And I was, I always felt like I was more than meets the eye. Like under, I was a lot more than people knew what I was. I could do more. I, I was capable of more. And it may have taken me, you know, 12 years and 30 kid to get to that point. But, you know, here I am. So, you know, I, I totally latch on to the idea of the, the power of self-transformation. So I, I think that's, that's really neat. Well, right about now, again, in the interest of time for you, uh, we give you time to plug whatever you want. And as soon as you're done plugging, give us a suggestion. <laughs> um, a suggestion for what? Oh, suggestion of the week is just something we do at the end where anything you're into recently you can talk about. But go ahead, do your uh, whatever you want to plug first. Oh, boy, suggestion. That's another hard one. Um, uh, well, plugging, I just not really much of anything right now. You can hear me in various video games here and there. And uh, I have some projects I would love to talk about, but I can't because it's it's still under non-disclosure agreement. I guess if anything, you can go watch Underwater. It's a new film with uh, I, yes. I filled in for, for T.J. Miller. It's old school classic. You did style that movie was amazing. So, yeah, my Sorry. name's actually in the credits of that, and it's a really good movie. It's pretty underrated. I, I have a feeling it didn't do well when it came out of the box office, but I feel like it's gonna January be, scary movie. It, it's yeah, but I think it's gonna eventually be like a cult classic because it's it's. Very much old school, you know, Ridley Scott type stuff. Especially when people figure out the uh, the, the big thing that I don't want to talk about yet. Right. Like, I mean, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. As far as, as, far as suggestions go, um, I actually do have a good suggestion. If you have not yet heard of Tubi, you should definitely get it. Tubi has every version 
of Transformers cartoons that has ever existed, from Transformers to Armada to Cybertron, Beast Wars, Energon, the whole shebang. They've got every single episode for absolutely free. It's with ads, but it's freaking awesome. It just kind of popped up on our apps one day, and we're, it's got tons of old classic cartoons. What, what are you so saying? It's Tubi? Tubi. T-U-B-I. U-B-I. Ah, okay. Cool, Thanks, cool. guys. I appreciate it. All right. Well, uh, we're going to do our suggestions of the week, but if you got to get to dinner, we won't hold it against you. So. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you very much. All right, just do a quick thing here. Uh, my suggestion is the movie Parasite and a nomination for Best Picture. So if you haven't seen it, there you go. Uh, see that. <laughs> All right. Mine is something I never thought I would end up watching, but it is a Scooby Mystery Incorporated. I uh, stumbled across this on Netflix when I was looking for cartoons for my daughter to watch. She loves Scooby-Doo, and I feel that I can say this without any reservation. This is probably the best Scooby-Doo cartoon that's ever been made. It's got something for everyone. It's got, it has all sorts of classic reference to Scooby-Doo. It has a great through mystery. It gets really weird and really out there. So many great horror movie montages. I mean, talking The Shining. Um, the best way I can think to describe this without really spoiling too much or going in too heavy is if you have heard what James Gunn has to say about what he wanted his Scooby-Doo movies to be, this is it in that it is slightly more adult, but it still has the heart and soul of Scooby-Doo. And I can only think to sum it up with my initial reaction of Velma is thirsty as fuck. Velma's usually the best character, but she's usually the best character, but she is awesome in that and sassy. All the characters are great. They're they're fleshed out. And I kind of want to talk more about this, but I don't want to spoil anything. You need to go into this blind. You need to enjoy this, whether you're a Scooby-Doo fan or not. This is a great show, and I wish... Well, anyway, care to take us in our outro? So, as always, thank you for listening. Be sure to like, share, subscribe, do all the things, because that is literally how podcasts live or die, is if you, the listeners, share it with your friends. And whatever platform you're currently watching us on, first of all, thank you. Like, no, really, thank you. That's pretty awesome. But we are on currently SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Pocket Cast, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. If there's any platform you'd like us to be on that isn't in that list, let us know so we can look into it. As always, this has been Lord Commander Ulrich. And his shield brother, Axel Wright. And it's too bad John's not here so we could thank him, but he had to go to dinner. But it was awesome to have him. If he's listening to this, thank you. Be sure to tune in next time. And as always, stay honorable.